God himself suffered in the person of Jesus Christ. So God is not alien to your suffering. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. My name is Mike Gomer Gormley, and I am joined, as always, by Dave, the mystery of redemption, Van Vickle. How are you, Dave? <laughs> Good. And it is a mystery. How could, some, mystery. how could someone like me be redeemed? I don't know. What a mystery it is. I don't know. I know. It's one of the cosmic <laughs> riddles that we'll only know when we die. Really, <laughs> Dave? Will, really? Yeah. Really, Dave? <laughs> Do you, if I don't, if I don't change, if I don't change my ways, yes. Seriously, then when I, if I make it to heaven, then I'll be like, you made it here, and you made it here, <laughs> yeah. and you made it, here. and that's God saying that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Oh yeah. man! Oh man! So uh, we just finished two nights of our evangelization boot camp. Um, boot camp, yeah. Uh, boot camp. Uh, evangelization boot camp. Com. Um, and they, they were going pretty good. We had full questions all the way till nine o'clock in God's own time zone, but in the Eastern time zone till 10 o'clock. So it's been, it's been good feedback. Yeah. I've been really happy with it. And people have been emailing me. I haven't shared any of those emails with you yet, but people have been emailing me with, uh, steadily just saying like how, how good it's been. And I've been happy with it so far. And yeah. I, I do think like it's been very practical and I love the questions and it's, it's been heartening for me because, you know, just knowing people are out there just trying to spread the kingdom, yeah. you know, and, and to hear someone like Father David Huss, who's a big fan of the show, um, asking really pertinent questions on behalf of priests, like how do we preach right sin from the pulpit and repentance from the pulpit without being, you know, like a guilt mongering, uh, you know, whatever curmudgeon. And it, it's a, it's really good to like sit through and explore this stuff together. So uh, what are the. So Wednesday or Tuesday is your day. What are you covering? So I'll be talking about uh, strategies, uh, tips, and pitfalls of evangelization. So we'll talk a little bit. We'll get into like nitty gritty of practicals tonight. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and then like I'll different. be rolling through the uh, on uh, Wednesday night. I'll be rolling through like basically proclaiming the gospel in this modern context. So yeah, yeah, which I'm I'm more excited about than anything else. That's like my my favorite thing to I talk know. about. I know. When I wrote it down, I was like, "He's gonna be so happy." <laughs> uh, yeah, and then and then I'm I'm especially excited for Thursday. I didn't realize how many questions we would get each night. Yeah. So Thursday will end a little bit early and just make sure that all the questions are covered. So. Yeah, yeah, it'll be awesome. That's yeah, cool. It'll be awesome. All right. So today we have an interesting topic, and it's a topic that Dave suggested about 30 minutes ago. We're recording this at 7:30 in the morning, my time, uh, God's time, Central. Um, <laughs> I keep God Central, Dave. That's why I'm in the Central Time Zone. Um, and <laughs> me and Dave have been having a lot of difficulty in trying to get together and record because both our families are kind of going through a lot of suffering, a lot of turmoil, um, a lot of craziness. And so um, he suggested that we come up with an explainer on Christian suffering, a Christian view of suffering, and basically like tips, which I think is kind of a funny word in this context, but uh, how do we go through suffering? How do we suffer well? Yeah. How do we handle it? How do we deal with it? So uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, and I agree. When I said tips, I thought this could be on like the Dr. Laura show or something like that, you know, <laughs> like it could easily be more of a self-help thing, but it's, it's really, 
honestly, those those kind of things, those secular things are only going to get you so far. What we're going to try and do is present it as as only a Christian can present suffering, right? As something to be meaningful. And I think it's, you know, desperately important for us to get this point right in this day and age because everything, look around you, every single thing around you is about alleviating some kind of suffering or even just discomfort. And it's, it's becoming antithetical to the gospel, yeah. right? It's becoming antithetical to the gospel to the point where a person feels that they should have no discomfort in their life. You know, they should mitigate every bit of it. And I think that we're running into a dangerous area here because the truth is you can't mitigate all suffering. Right. And, and the problem is when you try to mitigate it all, you take away its meaning completely. Yeah. That's been one of the major appeals of Jordan Peterson, who's arguably one of the most influential um, public intellectuals today. One of his things is to get people to overcome the tragedy of their lives and to to live something noble. He said he, he kind of grinds it down into that Buddhist concept of all of life is suffering. But he always takes a Christian spin on it. And I remember one time he was being challenged by a bunch of atheists at a university setting. And they were talking about like the the stupidity and silliness of Christianity. He said, look, at the core of Western civilization is God who is crucified. Right. Can we just stop and appreciate what that means to live an uncorrupted life? Like the ramifications of that. And he said, you cannot avoid suffering, but you don't have to become corrupted by it. And I thought that was really fascinating because... One of my favorite books of all time is The Sources of Christian Ethics by Father Survey Pinkers. Yeah. It's a brilliant book. It was um, uh, a lot of us who went to Franciscan and were theology majors. It was uh, the required reading for Christian moral principles in a lot of classes. And he has this whole thing. He's trying to overhaul morality and return it to what it was, what it's supposed to be, instead of this tradition of like the what we call the manuals, where it's like, here's a bunch of sins, here's a bunch of principles, blah, blah, blah. And he said, in the manuals, they never really talk about suffering, except like, you know, questions like sickness and childbirth and anesthesia and questions about that. Right. And he right. said, but when you look at the moral life and you look at suffering, he said, there is nothing that can overturn an entire life of virtue than suffering, right? The, like living a good life, following Christ, and then profound physical, emotional, moral, spiritual suffering hits you out of nowhere, and it can throw the whole thing off, right? It calls us, if you follow St. Thomas Aquinas, um, which I do, uh, <laughs> Um, he believed that the problem of pain was the number one reason to not believe in God. Right. Right. Like if you have, if you, the reality of evil, if you have two infinites, the opposite is canceled. Or if you have an infinite, it's opposite is canceled out. If God is infinite goodness, then there can't be evil. There is evil. Therefore, maybe there's not a God. Right. And that, that, that dimension, I mean, there's a whole book on the Bible of Job that wrestles with the question of how can I be faithful to a God that allows this profound suffering? So the the survey pink hair stuff, I found going through my family suffering, my wife recently miscarried, and um, it has led to a lot of suffering reveals, suffering reveals, and yep. uh, it reveals all the cracks in the dam really quickly. And yeah, it's been, it's been really brutal, but that uh, I went and I pulled out that book and I started reading that chapter on 
suffering. And I was like, wow, this it's not even a chapter. It's just a handful of pages. And it was it was powerful. It is really powerful. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, something that's been interesting that I've been witnessing lately is uh, right now Amber's in the hospital because literally because her pain just got so bad that they couldn't control it at home. So they had to get her to the hospital and we're hoping that she's going to come home any, any day now. So I've been kind of living in two worlds, but I've spent so much time with their, you know, they're called palliative care doctors, these pain doctors. Mm -hmm. And this is what's really very interesting. Um, They have a real, it's almost like they've hit the brick wall of reality and realized that there are transcendence in the world because they, Mm. there are levels of pain that they cannot control. And so they've kind of become like, okay, this is part of the human condition that there, there is pain in the world, you know, that that's part of the human condition. And I just think it's interesting that from a, yeah, the reason I bring it up is from a secular aspect, it is grounding tragedy, suffering, pain is grounding. Like it, yeah. it, it puts us in a position where we realize that we are in need. And I know for my family and for me, um, I mean, I feel like. I feel like I'm an expert on suffering. I really do feel that way because we've we've kind of been through the ringer for so long. Yeah. And I know that, like I always say, like that the greatest graces in my life are the sacraments, but the second greatest graces in my life have been the major tragedies that we've gone through because, like you said, they reveal, they ground us. And it, in a lot of ways, like union with God, this side of the veil, right, is not a, f- mm-hmm. is not, I wouldn't describe it as fun. I would describe it as blissful and joyful, but I certainly wouldn't describe it as fun. Mm. And God, there are a lot of parts of, of us that are results of the fall, and God has to strip those things away in one way or another. And suffering is very often the chisel that he uses to strip away things that are unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah, that's that great line from C.S. Lewis in The Problem of Pain where he says that God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our sufferings. And they really do become uh, a megaphone directly into our soul. And we don't want it. No one wants suffering. There's always this negative image of Catholics like, ooh, baby, Oh, yeah, like that, like the, um, what was (laughs) the book that was so popular? Uh, The Da Vinci Code with the monk, the monk who was like. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. where the the monk. It was almost. Yeah, <laughs> the Opus Day, the Opus Day monk, a religious <laughs> order that doesn't have monks. Uh, yeah, the, he was always using the discipline and hurting himself and all that stuff. But the um, the reality of suffering as a bedrock foundation of Christian life, um, it, a, a bedrock foundation of human life, always confronts our most existential beliefs. And um, I love what this one guy, Reverend Timothy Keller, says. He's like today. In the in the twentieth century, you get a lot of authors like Samuel Beckett's Waiting for Godot, where they are atheists, they embrace atheism, but there's this profound anguish and lament that there now is right. no more meaning in life because only God can give meaning. It's just the whirling of atoms. And so there was this whole period of literature which was very uh, depressing almost because of the lack of meaning in life. But then the moderns, postmoderns, uh, came up with, it's like, yeah, well, let's just invent our own meaning and have fun. And Reverend Timothy Keller points out, you can have two different types of meaning, invented meaning or discovered meaning. And he said, and the difference is discovered meaning comes from God, comes from outside of you. Invented meaning 
you create within you. And he said, the problem with invented meaning is it cannot endure the flames of suffering. It can't. The moment you like, well, I'm going to follow my bliss and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. The moment you profoundly suffer, all of that goes straight out yeah. the window. Yeah, I, I will say. Um, so that's interesting. And it's, it's especially interesting in how it makes us relate to our fellow man. Okay. Yeah. This has been the newest. This has been a very interesting new thing. And I think it's important for all Christians to hear this, for all people to hear this, is I have realized people aren't just uncomfortable with suffering in their own life. They're uncomfortable with suffering in another person's life that they care about and almost cannot abide it. So so it's mm. it's become an interesting phenomenon with our family that people almost obsess over helping us. Like literally it causes them stress that they're not helping. It causes them, you know, uh, like if I say like, oh no, just pray for us, please just pray for us. It, it is like they cannot handle it because they cannot stand the idea really? of, yeah, that it, it, it is very uncomfortable for other people. And then there are some who literally shun, you know, who literally just cannot, they cannot deal with the idea mm. of this happening. And, and it's very isolating. It's very isolating. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you're saying you have one people who one group of people who want to fix it. Yeah. Right? right. And the other group of people who just want to avoid right. it. Right. Yeah. And I think yeah. often, like I, I think I've told you this before, where when I was in Trinidad giving a, a retreat, I, I stayed at the Missionaries of Charity uh convent because it's always the cleanest place in any city and I hate to be dirty. <laughs> um and I was and they made me this gigantic breakfast because I'm a gigantic guy and and um I was in this room where there were like grates, you know, like the, it was like, it was like the windows were had like metal grates and they took care uh -huh. this, this particular convent took care of the disabled orphans. Oh. And this girl kept coming past the grate and going, mm, 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 you know, and, uh, like, like at my breakfast. And I remember just, I couldn't, I, I said to the mother superior, like mother, please, I please just give this food to her. Like I can't, I can't sit here and eat while she's yeah. looking at it and desiring this food. And I remember her saying very resolutely, yeah. uh, she said, you have a lot to learn. She doesn't need food. She needs you to look at her. And she went without asking me, you know, she went and got a chair, brought this girl in, sat her down across from me. And I ate while this girl watched basically. And, and I, you know, talked with her and communicated with her and it was, <laughs> It was a, it was a life changing experience. I would say, you know, it was an altering experience because I realized like how, how isolating, yeah. you know, it can be. And on top of that, not just suffering, but um, terminal illness scares people ten times oh, more. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I love the reality of hospice care because you have found a group of people who are dedicated to loving those that medical science can no longer. Right. You know, the idea is just make them comfortable and give them dignity. And it almost has become for so many of them a beautiful ministry oh, yeah. to accompany people to the door of death if that's what happens. And um, I have a deep and profound respect for that. But the other thing that you see is people who are so afraid of death and dying because in our modern world with our modern medicine, we've sanitized it. We've put it behind a curtain. You know, we got them in these fancy hospitals like it's so remote from us, whereas 150 years ago, 100 years ago, 
you know, your parents died in your home with right. you. Right. Right. Like you knew what it like. It was your daily life. And it, it might have been an insane burden to bear that when you come home from work, you know, like here you are tending to the, the needs of your sick loved ones. But there was no place where we could drop them right. off. And so the encounter was real. And so the Christian experience evolved within this setting. And I think it is important, some of the things that you just said, like medicine, palliative care is incredible. I like, I remember Dr. Peter Crave saying, if you could pick one invention, uh, what would it be that you, that you think is the greatest invention? And he was like, uh, anesthesia, <laughs> like you can understand right. that, right? Like right. the idea of intense, acute pain and all of the people who work to end it. But at the same time, it also reveals um, the the virtues and values of our culture where we're utilitarians and we define the goodness of life by the experience of pleasure and the absence of pain. And everyone knows that if you have an implicit assumption that that's really what life is about, more pleasure than pain, then someone suffering is going to overrule your your carefully crafted ideological view of life. And so you avoid it because it challenges the very way by which you judge the values of the world. Right. And when we live in a culture that is worships pleasure, pain becomes, you know, people feel abandoned in their pain because people don't want to be around it. Brothers and sisters, this is an excellent place for us to be Christian witnesses. Right. Right. And that's kind of what, you know, our, our talk of like to accompany people who are suffering is not going to add they're suffering into your life, it's going to add radical strength into your life yeah. that you can then give to someone who needs it, right? It's important. Yeah, yeah. I think I think like one one last lesson I would share that I've learned too yeah. is how suffering, you know, it reminds us that sin is real. And, I, and I'll, and I'll yeah. tell you what, how it's been in our life. You know, there have been times in my, in the last year when I've been listening to doctors, you know, and, and my wife's, cancer from the from the first diagnosis was terminal i mean she they 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 said people you know it's not the percentages are very small that anyone would ever survive and and survive just means five years you know it doesn't mean hmm. it doesn't mean 10 years and almost no one survives this 10 years and and when you're hearing doctors talk about this when they're talking about time and things like that you i have this kind of person in my brain saying what are you talking about like it's 2021 go in and just get that cancer out of there like what do you mean you yeah. can't yeah what i like it's so it's so uh grounding in the sense that what are you talking about there are things still that we cannot just fix i mean you have tiny cameras that can go into someone's bloodstream you have all these kinds of things you know like yeah. crazy things like that and and it, it reminds me that like, look, we, we're in a fallen world. And you know, what's funny is that soon after we got like the traditional medical opinions, then people started calling us with like alternative things, which we're, mm -hmm. you know, Amber's a granola. I mean, we were all about alternative medicine and everything <laughs> like that. But it's funny because even in those cases, you know, I tracked down, like if somebody said, why well, my, my person was healed, you know, my husband my father my whatever was healed by this diet or something like that you know i was serious about it because it's my wife you know I, I want her i want her to to live yeah. and so i would track it down and still once again it's like the stats just show that look yeah can it happen sure but there are people who just 
they they don't they die, you know, and that's part of living in a fallen world. And it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. And it reminds me of the consequences of sin, you know, that this is what it is. You know, we live in a fallen world. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a such an insanely difficult burden. Right. Um that we live with. And we do not have a God who is unsympathetic with our yeah. pain. Amen. Thank you, uh, Jesus. There's a my yeah, my favorite quote from um Hebrews is Hebrews chapter two where he says, um, since the children shared in flesh and blood, he likewise shared in them so that uh, he might destroy the power. He might destroy death and the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who have through fear of death have been subject to bondage all of their lives. And it's like such an insanely poetic and deeply personal way of describing salvation that Jesus delivered us from the bondage of being afraid yeah. of death. And I don't think, you know, oftentimes, you know, I can, you know, we can kind of sanitize this stuff and philosophize and theologize, but it's like, it starts with this, this reality of, of at the beginning of human history is the profound experience of suffering and evil. And we can't ignore that because now we have a lot of amazing advances in palliative care. Like it still hasn't gone away and it's not going to go away. And so, um, I'm yeah, glad you said yeah, that because I, 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 you know, after Easter, I remember thinking, you know, you know, everybody's posting things on Easter, like he has risen, everything is good, you know, all these kinds of things, you know, and I, I remember thinking, you know, for some of us, re the resurrection is just a relief. It's not necessarily a jump for joy party. It's just a relief, mm. you know, and, and that's mm. okay, you know, and I, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's, it's important to remember that that is, that's the message, you know? Yeah. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to step off to a commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to go through just our suggestions. I don't know if I want to say tips, tips and tricks, life hacks for dealing with suffering. <laughs> no, but we'll come up with some very practical guidelines by which to think about and address the suffering in your life. Two thousand years ago, Jesus Christ chose corrupt, broken, imperfect, sinful men to be the foundation of his church. And because these broken, imperfect men chose to remain in relationship with Jesus, they became saints. And they were used by Jesus to transform hearts and minds two thousand years later. I invite you to check out my book, Broken and Blessed where you'll find practical tools to overcome habitual sin, to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and to walk with an imperfect church toward a perfect God who is calling all of us to perfection over time. To order the paperback book or audiobook, Broken and Blessed, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. And welcome back to Every Knee Shall Bow. I hope that uh, you were able to to listen closely to the commercial. We love being a part of the Ascension Press community, and they have they have such awesome resources. One thing I know is that you might not find everything you're looking for at Ascension Press, but what they have is high quality and it's good. And I and I like I trust yeah. everything that comes from them. They're they're a wonderful company, and we're glad to be a part of it. So take a look. Uh, what we're going to do now is give you just some. I hate to say tips, like Gomer said, but really just some observations, yeah, some help, Practical some help that guidelines. we've learned yeah. uh, 
of how to kind of survive suffering and and how to not just survive but yeah. to make it christian suffering and and to um to be able to to you know uh find meaning in it yeah absolutely absolutely yeah so number one is this find meaning in it right uh you know i don't know if anyone uh i, I think a lot of you probably have read victor frankl's you know man's search for meaning and and that was the big thing that he said separated you know the people who who were able to thrive and the people who were basically went mad was that they found some kind of meaning for this uh this suffering when they were in the 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 concentration camps and you know for us as a family we've always even before my wife got sick we've always said like look our family is here for the salvation of the world you know that uh you know our motto is uh, go to heaven and bring as much many people possible with you and so in all suffering we kind of just offer it up you know and say like look god we we want more souls. That's what we want. If, you know, if we can bargain here, which it's up to you if you're going to let us bargain, but if we're bargaining, we're bargaining for souls. Yeah. Um, I would say one of the most acute things that you can do for your own life is to remember that in the suffering that God himself suffered in the person of Jesus Christ, right? So that God is not alien to your suffering. Moreover, I, I always heard this comment from St. Thomas Aquinas that the logos, the divine word was not separated from the corpse of Jesus that when it laid in the tomb, but it was still in, united to it. Right. And it wasn't until I heard this Orthodox um, Archbishop talk that it really hit home. He said, that's how Jesus converted death for us humans is that God was still united to the body. Right. God was still united to the body when Christ went down into that tomb. And he said, and thus death itself is the union, is another avenue of union with God in Christ Jesus. And I thought that that was a really beautiful way of reviewing it. So you can think of the mystery of, of um, Christ's death, the mystery of Holy Saturday as not just he descended into hell or he descended to the dead, but that still that corpse in the tomb was still united to the to the second person of the Trinity, and so death itself has been transformed from the inside out. There, there is a divinity in the heart of it. Amen. Uh, uh, this next one, number three, I am stealing from Father Jacques Philippe, and this saved my life. Literally, I mean, I, it honestly did save my life. And that was the the uh, the idea that rather than ask why, ask the question, why is this happening? Just ask, suspend that be a mature Christian and say, I'm going to leave it up to, to God. I'm not going to ask him why I'm going to trust in him. And what I'm going to say is how can I love the most in this moment? And it is, that has literally, I think saved my mental health, my spiritual health, because it's almost like I had all these questions and obsessed over why, 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 why? And I see my son in a wheelchair, like everybody's running around him. Why, 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 why? And to learn this process of saying like, no, no, trust in God, right? Trust that, that I don't need to have the answer to that question. What I need to do is love the most sincerely, the most profoundly in this moment. And how do I do that? Mm. Uh, and it's not even trust that I'm not saying like God did this to us. No, not at all. What I'm saying is what is most necessary? What's most necessary is not that my questions are answered. What's most necessary is that I stay faithful. Yeah. Uh, um, 
This tip is, I think, important, especially if you are not going through a lot of intense suffering, is to get the encyclical for Pope John Paul II um, yeah. on the Christian meaning of human suffering and to read through it. Yeah. It is intense. It is long. It's a long encyclical. But it has a ton of very powerful insights and understanding the, the gospel meaning of suffering and death, sickness, war, pain itself. He goes through a lot of that, and he draws out a very beautiful Christian dimension that he himself witnessed his whole life. Right? He, he, yeah. This was not a message that he talked and didn't walk. And um, I think that is very important, especially if you yourself are not physically suffering. Because sometimes people who are physically suffering... Um, when they read stuff about the the why and the how and the what of suffering, it just makes them annoyed, <laughs> right? Yep. So if you're if you're with someone who's encountering a lot, um, this could be very helpful for you. Yeah, and finally, you know, I I guess the way I would say it is, you, how do I say this without being rude? Suffering can make you think you're the center of the universe, <laughs> mm. and and I think my tip for you would be to realize you're not. And one of the ways that I do that often is to realize the suffering that's going on around the world. I mean, there are people in the exact situation that I am, but do not have first world medicine and all the resources in the world to, to deal with it. There yeah. are right now, as we speak, Catholics in China being tortured. I mean, in places like Hong Kong, they're, they're rounding up preachers and evangelists. Hong Kong's I, the epitome of a first world country until you know it went back to <laughs> communist china yeah. and and i mean it's it's unimaginable it would be similar to it happening in new york or or in chicago or something like that and they're being rounded up and tortured you know to to deny jesus christ and and i think it's really important to just to remember that look we all every single one of us is suffering yeah. and there are people that suffer more than us and there are people who suffer less, but it's, it's, it's a it's, it's a freeing thought to realize that. Yeah. And I'm going to give a bonus life hack. Yeah. Right. Hack. <laughs> um, and this is to all use an you. app on your iPhone to <laughs> yeah. or something. Like Mash that. that like button and make sure you subscribe and hit that <laughs> bell for notifications. <laughs> I watch too much YouTube, but, um, okay. For all of us out there who are good Samaritans. Okay. So this is the thing that my, my version or brand or or you know experience of suffering is i'm i didn't miscarry my wife did and i'm the caretaker in a lot of you're ways the, you're right? the epitome of the good samaritan archie yeah no but what i mean by this is there are those of you listening to this who are the caretakers yeah right like dave you're a caretaker right and oftentimes we don't see that the physical uh suffering of others it becomes our emotional, moral, and spiritual suffering. Yeah. And I am very lucky that I have a lot of amazing people who love me, and I will have a lot of people at, like, my church who say, I know that a lot of people have responded to mama, but how are you doing, yeah. right? And it is important to realize that you and I, um, that human beings who accompany those who suffer, it's not an infinite reservoir, it's right. not an infinite reservoir and you need, you need like the, I think of the good Samaritan and taking the analogy too far. 
after he set up the the stuff at one point he left and came back <laughs> like there's right. some, you need a retreat you need to step out you need the clubber lang weightlifting thing and i yeah. need my woodworking and yeah. it matters it really does so there's there's an element of like you need to take care of you especially when it's 24 7 i think it's um, funny i think it's funny that you gave that tip because you are the epitome of the of the good samaritan like like when i Why tell you because like if i good. get bad news and i like tell you you're like uh, should i come on a plane right now what can i do right now to help <laughs> you to fix this all completely like can i hold you like a baby and rock you until everything's okay but uh it, but uh, i just need to fix it dave i need to I fix know, it right right uh well this has been i i hopefully uh fruitful if not i mean i don't know if it was uplifting it should be uplifting though you know yeah. this it, suffering is a tough message but it's about the resurrection you know yeah uh and so i would hope that this has been a fruitful episode for you this has been every knee shall bow again contact us reach out eksb at ascensionpress.com we want to hear from you and we love you guys so much and we pray for you every day pray for us as well god bless you all god bless